Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Video uh, series that we are we are having, and I told the our regular congregation this is the first time in probably 30 years we ever showed a video series. Really, uh, this is my first time uh, in 18 years uh, doing doing that. Also, uh, but it's been very enlightful and enlightening. I know that sometimes um, uh, as parents we could tell our children one thing and they, oh, yeah, I hear you, you know. But somebody else that they really respect tells them the same thing and it's like a light goes off for some reason. I don't know. And I say, hey, I told you that many, many times before. And so they sometimes, they, when they hear it from a different source, they, they really believe it. This particular person, Robert Morris from Gateway Church in Texas, um, God has anointed him to really uh, do a good job with his congregation on this. Uh, so this is a message. Uh, last week we, we heard him say things about the heart of Cain, the heart of um, Abel. We, we know about the principle first. And this week... The question is, what test? What test? So let's listen to, for the next 28 minutes, sort of like that, uh, hear from Robert Morris teaching on what test. All right, turn to two passages of Scripture, Malachi 3 and Second Chronicles 31. All right? So open your, your Bible to Malachi 3. And then put your, we learned last week, your stringy dilly um, is the correct term, again, from the Greek. It's the stringos dilos. Put that in Second Chronicles 31, okay? And uh, the, we're in a series called The Blessed Life. But the title of this message, let me tell you how I got the title of this message. I got the title of this message from something that used to happen to me a lot in school. So the title of this message is... What test? <laughs> Anyone relate? <laughs> you walk in class and everyone is studying. They look up and they say, are you ready? And I would say, for what? And they would say, the test. And I would say, what test? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do well in school. Um, but I am proud of myself because I did graduate in the top 10% of the lower one-third of my graduating class. So worked very hard to do that. All right. You might not know, but you take a test every time you get paid. Every time you get paid, you take a test. Uh, let me just, let's just take a little poll here. Again, all campuses. How many of you get paid um, every week? Can I see your hands? Put your hands up. You get paid every week. All right. How many of you get paid either twice a month or every other week? This will probably be the majority. Okay. How many of you get paid monthly? Can I see your hands? Okay. How many of you never get paid? Can I... <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. If you ever do, though, um, if you ever do get paid, you take a test. And the test is, whom are you going to thank for your income? Whom are you going to worship for your income? And this is how you know whom you're thanking, and that is, where does the first check go? 
according to the Bible, where do your first fruits from every paycheck go? Some people think Visa every month. The problem with that is Visa does not have the power to bless your finances, but God does. So Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Very clear, God does not change. God did not change between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Therefore, I think this is kind of humorous. I don't change, therefore you are not consumed. (laughs) In other words, I haven't killed you. Because I'm nice. Was nice and I am nice. O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, I want you to remember this because we're going to come back to the word ordinances. You have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. That, by the way, that sentence is the theme of the book of Malachi. Says the Lord of hosts. I want you to just notice that because I want you to know this is God talking. All right. God is talking, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now, this is God's answer. Verse 8, a preacher did not make this up. Okay. This is God, the God who cannot change speaking. All right. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, look at me just for a moment. If I asked you straight out, would you rob God? Would you steal from God? Your answer would be, well, no, I wouldn't do that. So he said to them, you have robbed me. Now, watch their very normal question. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? How have we stolen from you, God? Watch his answer. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse refers to the local church, and I'll show you that in some other verses, all right? That there may be food in my house. My house always refers to the church. And try me, or this word could try, could be test. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Notice again who's talking. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. What an amazing promise. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Again, this is God talking. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. This is God talking. And I want to remind you, this is the God who cannot change. All right? Now, here's what he says. You have gone away from my ordinances. My, let me tell you what the word here, ordinance, means. It means a principle of ordinary behavior. You have gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior. In other words, it's ordinary for the people of God to thank God for their harvest. It's ordinary for the people of God to thank God for their income. It's ordinary for the people of God to recognize God even in a time of recession because they know God is the one that can turn that around and God is their source. It's an ordinary principle. And he said, you've left my ordinary principles and you've gone away. This is such a clear passage. It's amazing to me. Here's what it says. If, if, I, if I tithe, I'm blessed. If I don't tithe, 
I'm cursed. Blessed? Cursed. Hmm. You know, this is not a hard question. I, I feel like saying, I, I'm not a smart man, but I think I like to be blessed, you know? And, and, and when he says you're cursed, listen, it, he doesn't say, I'm going to curse you. He says, you are cursed with a curse. He, he's trying to get it. He, don't want it. he doesn't want us to be cursed. He says, you are voluntarily placing yourself under the curse. We live in a cursed world. And what God wants to do is redeem our finances out from under the curse. But it takes our cooperation. And our cooperation is to give him the first 10%. The word tithe means a tenth. That's what it means. It means a tenth. So let me tell you some things about this. And and let me tell you kind of a, a conversation I had with God over this. I said, Lord, you know, I'm a pastor. I, I want to help people. My whole life is devoted to helping people. And I know what your principles are in the Word. Your ordinary principles about marriage, family, faith, finances. Malachi is this book about returning to God, as I said. Chapter 1 is about returning to God in your faith. Chapter 2 is about returning to God in your family. Chapter 3 is about returning to God in your finances. Chapter 4 is God returning to us. So I said, Lord, here I am trying to help people. And this is an area that people argue with me about a lot. And I, I, I'm just trying to help them. And so I, here's what I said. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, this is, this, this is the famous, most famous verse on tithing. Now, there are lots of verses. Okay, we're going to go through some. A lot of verses. But most people know Malachi 3. It's the most famous one. So I said to the Lord, Lord, um, everyone says to me, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. So one day I said, Lord... Couldn't you have just waited, you know, to get it into Matthew just a little bit? I mean, it would have helped me. I mean, it, it only missed by like 15 verses. <laughs> Could, couldn't you have just waited just a little? And you know what the Lord said to me? I put it right where I wanted it. You want to know why? And here's point number one. If you're taking notes, here's point number one. Because tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Every time you get paid, are you going to believe that God's Word works, that 90% with God's blessing goes farther than 100% without? It is a test of your faith. When you're going through a difficult time, are you going to believe? It is a test. And the number 10, now I don't know why God chose 10%. I think I know why He chose a percentage. The reason I think He chose a percentage is it's the same for everyone. It's still a penny on every dime. That's all it is. A penny on every dime. That's it. And it doesn't matter if you make 30000 or 300000 It's the same. It's, a, it's, it's fair for every person. It's equal. But the number 10 in the Bible represents testing. When you look at 10 throughout Scripture, you'll see that it, it's always referring to a time of testing. And let me show you a few examples. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to take a test, all right? I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to give me the answer, and I want you to say it loudly. Every campus, all right? Every campus. Here, the question will come on the screen, and then I want you to say the answer. And I'm going to show you that 10 represents testing in the Bible, all right? Here's the first question. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Ten, okay? Now, I need you to say it a little louder than that, all right? All right? And, and by the way, I could have asked it this way. How, did, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's what he said. He said, I'm going to test Pharaoh's heart. Through ten plagues, ten times, all right? All right, here's the next question. How many commandments are there? 
That's good. All right. And that's how God tested Israel's heart. Okay. Here's another question that you might not have known before today, the answer, but there's a pattern. Okay. All right. Okay. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I was just testing you. I was testing you. It is a test. And so many times we come up with all of these arguments. Listen to me very carefully. God is testing our hearts. But here's what's amazing about this passage. It's also the only place in the Bible that says we can test God. God says, test me. Test me and see if I will not be faithful. It, it, It is a money back guarantee. Test me and see if I will not be faithful. And then he says, listen, please understand. Please, you're under a curse. Now, I want to just clear up something because I've had people say, well, I can't be under a curse because Christ bore the curse on the cross and I'm a believer. So since he bore the curse, I could never be under a curse. Well, let me ask you something about that. A curse is simply consequence. It really, if you want to remember how to remember a curse, a curse is consequence for behavior. That's what a curse really is. Uh, but please understand this. Are you saying that as a believer, you can live any way you want to and not suffer any consequence? See, that's just crazy thinking. Uh, well, but he bore the curse, so I could never have been a curse. Okay, he also bore sin on the cross. First Peter 2.24 says he bore our sins on the cross. But let me ask you something. As a believer, you ever sinned? Sure. Sure we have. We're not perfect once we become believers. But what happens? We can appropriate by faith what Christ did for us on the cross. But we've got to repent. We've got to turn from that. Otherwise, if we continue walking in that sin, we'll suffer consequence from that. Um, another argument people say is, well, you know, tithing was under the law. And uh, I'm, I'm not under the law because I'm a believer. I'm under grace. Okay? I don't understand that argument either. Are you saying that if it was wrong under the law, it's right now for believers? Uh, Thou shalt not kill was under the law. Do you think if you go and kill someone, there are no consequences to that? Sure, there are consequences. Uh, Thou shalt not commit adultery was under the law. Do you think if you go commit adultery, there are no consequences? See, yes, we're believers. We can be forgiven for our sins, but there are consequences according to the way we live our lives. Whether it's under the law, and you know, I'm a believer, and so I'm under grace, and so that doesn't apply to me. Uh, Well, first of all, you need to understand tithing was way before the law. And it was after the law as well. And it's an ordinary principle in God's Word. But just to, just to take that same line of reasoning, um, Pastor Todd seated down here on the front row. Um, I think that I will tell you some lies about Pastor Todd. And I can because I'm a believer and thou shalt not lie was under the law and I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. So it's foolish, isn't it? Um, all right, let me give you another example. Um, Todd, give me your wallet. Yeah, just give me your wallet. Give it to me. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right, let's keep going in the message. (laughs) Now, I can keep this because thou shalt not steal. That's under the law. And I'm a believer. I'm under grace. So it's okay for me to steal. That's foolish, isn't it? That's foolish. All right, I'm not going to steal your wallet. (laughs) There's not even any money in it. So, I mean, I I don't want to keep his wallet. He didn't even have any money in it, so. 
What'd you do? What? No, no, no. What'd you do? What did they? You took your money out? I tell him before the service, I'm going to do this illustration, and he takes his money out of his wallet before he gives it to him. I'll get you back. All right. Here's number two. Tithing is biblical. I think many people don't tithe because they don't think it's biblical. They really don't. They think there's only one scripture in in the Bible, and it's Old Testament. Or they think, well, that was under the law, and we're not under the law anymore. Well, I'm going to show you a few verses. Hold on. We'll get to 2 Chronicles 31 in a moment. And I'm going to go through a few, a few of the verses on tithing to show you that it is biblical. Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, that's Abraham, gave him, that's Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Now let me just say something. Listen, listen, think about this too. This is about 500 years before the law. Five hundred years before the law. As a matter of fact, you can go back to Cain and Abel. Cain did not give a tithe. Abel did give a tithe and God accepted Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's offering. And that's 2,500 years before the law. 2,500 years. So this is an ordinary principle that predates the law. Uh, Genesis 28:22, And this is Jacob. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. Again, the implication that the tithe goes to God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is about 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27:30. And all the tithe of the land, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The word holy means set apart. Ten percent is set apart. For the house of God. Deuteronomy 26 verse 1. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it. That you shall take some of the first. The word first here represents the tithe. You'll see that later in this passage. Some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God has given you. And put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Again, referring to the church. And then look at verses 13 through 15 of Deuteronomy 26. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. In other words, I didn't use it during a difficult time. Nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use. In other words, I'm not using it for something sinful. Nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Now here's the prayer you pray after you give the tithe. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. It, it's all through Scripture and it's an ordinary principle that God's people give. Now, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, if Jesus himself, if Jesus said that you should give 10% to the church, if Jesus said you should tithe, would you do it? 
Okay, I'm going to go ask these people over here. Um, if, if Jesus said that you should give 10%, would you do it? Okay. I'm just joking with you. Now, let's be honest, though. Some of us would still have to think about it. It's, that's amazing to me. If we read in our Bible, listen to me, in the New Testament, in red, Jesus saying you ought to tithe. I know people still argue with that, but I'm going to show it to you. Matthew 23, 23. Very easy to remember. 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe, 10%, of mint and anise and cumin. These are spices that you put on your food. And you even tithe on the spices you put on your food. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Watch, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, here's what he said. You give tithes of everything, even the small spice, even not just the fruit, the first fruits, but even the spices you're going to put on the fruit. You give tithe of everything, but you're neglecting justice, mercy, and faith. Now listen to what he said. You give your tithes, but you neglect this. Then Jesus said, This you ought to do. He didn't say, now you don't need to do that anymore because that's Old Testament. And and the Father and I changed between the Old and the New Testament. We were mean, now we're nice. (laughs) Please remember, God doesn't change. God said, you're robbing me and you're under a curse. I don't want you to be under the curse. I would like to open the windows of heaven over you and bless you. And I'd like to rebuke Satan from stealing from you. But that'll be up to you whether I do that or not. Jesus did not say, you don't have to do that anymore. He said, you ought to do that. Just don't leave the other undone. Don't leave justice, mercy, and faith undone. One time after a message, a guy came up to me and he said, "Um, these you ought to have done refer to justice, mercy, and faith. And I said, well... I appreciate that, but actually in the Greek they don't. And the Greek language is very specific about this verse. But, but I said, let's just say you're right. Let's just say you're right. Let's say that these you ought to have done refer to justice, mercy, and faith. Let's just say that. What does the rest of the verse say? Without leaving the others undone. I got you either way. (laughs) This is Jesus Okay, can I tell you something? If that was the only verse on tithing in the Bible, I'd tithe. Because the one that saved me in a motel room said, you ought to do this. That's enough. That's enough for me right there. And then in Hebrews 7, it's recounting the, the, the passage that we read in Genesis 14 about Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. And it, goes, it uses the word tithe. It talks about all this. And it says, this is our example. And listen to me, I'm going to read you the verse, but this is New Testament. And it's saying that we're like Abraham and Jesus is like Melchizedek. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. It's absolutely amazing what it says. But here's what it says. Watch this. Verse 8 says, Here mortal men receive tithes. This is New Testament. 
But there, watch this, capital H, he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. This is absolutely amazing to me. I put my tithe in the box. Mortal men take it out. But there, he receives my tithe. Jesus himself receives my tithe. That's Hebrew. That's New Testament. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. In other words, it's proof that he lives when I tithe and God blesses and protects my finances. It's a proof to the world that there, we live in a different economy because God can bless us and protect us if we'll ad- adhere to ordinary principles in the Bible. And so here's number three, last one. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a test. Tithing is uh, biblical. And tithing is a blessing. All right, now we're in Second Chronicles 31. Second Chronicles 31, verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support, watch this, for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now, look at me just for a moment. Hezekiah is reading the Bible. He's reading the scriptures and he sees tithing. And let me tell you about this time right now. They're in an economic recession. Anyone relate? The whole nation. And he reads this. You're under a curse, the whole nation. And he says, we're we're, we're under a curse because we're not tithing. So he puts out a command for everyone to bring 10% the tithe into the house of God, the storehouse, all right? That's what he does. And he says that the priests might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. You remember Malachi said, listen, bring the tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. I want you to think about this. When we come to church... What are we receiving? Spiritual food, right? And we enjoy it. Can I, can I ask you a question? You don't have to clap. Just, you can just shake your head. Just, just, do you like the food that you get at Gateway Church? Do you, do you like it? Okay. All right. Listen, listen to me. I'm going to be real blunt with you. Someone's paying for it. And I'm not simply talking about my messages, but all the equipping classes, all the kairos, all the freedom, all the counseling, all the gr- all the things, someone's paying for the priests to devote themselves to the Word of God. Someone's paying for that. Now, I have a question for you. Would any of you here go to a nice restaurant, eat a meal, and skip out on the check? Any of you? Any of you not pay? Okay, listen. Some of you do it every week. Is this okay for me to talk like this? You come and you eat a good meal, and someone else paid for it. And here's the sad thing. There's food in the house because we, we, listen, I'm commending you. We're the greatest giving church I know of. I don't know of any church that give, gives more than we do. I don't know of any church. I, and, that's, and I travel to a lot of them. I know of no church that has a higher giving ratio than we have. And I'm, I'm just, I'm saying that truthfully, factually, all right? But listen to me. So we got food in the house because we got a whole bunch of tithers. So here's the point, though. Those of you who aren't tithing, here's the sad part. You're under the curse. I don't want you to be under a curse. We're okay financially. I'm not preaching this because we're not okay financially. I'm not preaching because we built a building and we can't make our mortgage payments. The banks are so pleased with us. We're way above. We're unbelievable what God's done. It's, it's incredible. So I'm not saying that at all. I'm telling, I'm concerned about you. Please hear me. Okay. The same thing. Hezekiah, he gets concerned about the people as well. 
Let me show you this. Look at verse 5. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits. Now, that refers to tithing again, the first 10% of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe. There it is, the 10%, the first 10% of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep. Also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, they laid in heaps. In the third month, they begin laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. By the way, these correlate with, with harvest time. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then, now watch this, he got concerned when he saw this. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. Now, here's what happens. He puts the command out. People start bringing the tithe. It actually takes them four months to do this. These four, the third and the seventh month, are harvest times. Okay, and so Hezekiah, then he goes to the temple, and and there are heaps, there are heaps of stuff that people have given. And he said, wow, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, as any leader would do, he gets concerned. And he said, how how are the people doing? If they've given this much, do they have enough? And the chief priest says, Hezekiah, since people started, when they began to bring the tithe, to do what God said, as soon as they began, God broke the recession and God began to bless them. And what you see here is just 10%. If you want to see heaps, go look at the 90%. This is absolutely incredible. I promise you, I promise you doing it God's way works. And there are many of you that would stand and testify to that. Many of you would say, I, I can testify to that right there, doing it God's way. See, I've heard two testimonies for 30 years of ministry now. I've heard two testimonies from tithers and non-tithers. All tithers give the same testimony. All non-tithers give the same testimony. So every one of them. Tithers, here's what tithers say. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. You can't get a tither to say anything differently. I am so blessed. Here's what non-tithers say. I can't afford to tithe. Okay, this does not take a rocket scientist to figure that one out either. It's because you're under curse. Can I tell you something? You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. Try it. I'll give you your money back. I've been saying that for 11 years. I've never had to do it one time. Because it's based on the Bible. It's God's Word. Okay, let me give you an illustration and then we're finished. Pastor Todd, will you stand up? And then I just need a couple other guys you want to come to. And, sir, can you stand up? Just if the three of you guys would line up right there, just shoulder to shoulder kind of. That'll help me to uh, give you this illustration. What's your name? Philip. Philip. Jesse. Jesse. And yours is Trader. Okay. <clears throat> Philip, Jesse, Trader. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, Todd. All right. Philip, Jesse, Todd. Right? Okay, good. You know y'all's names are in the Bible? Your, your name's not in the Bible, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I'm quick. I'm quick. All right. <clears throat> Could
could have been another Michael Jr. So, all right. Um, I'll probably get a tweet about that. All right. Um, let's say I'm going to, I'm going to go away, guys. I'm going to go on a trip. And um, while I'm gone, I want to funnel resources through you to my wife. All right? So I'm going to send you each $10,000 a month. Okay? Philip, don't get that excited. It's just an illustration. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I send, I'm, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to send Debbie $1,000 a month from the 10000 Hey, You can keep the 9000 You can do anything you want with it. I just want you to give 10% of it to my wife, all right, while I'm gone. So Debbie and I talk every day while I'm gone, and then a few months into it, I start thinking, oh, I wonder how this money's coming in that I am funneling through some men to her, hopefully some faithful men. And so I, call, I say to her, hey, how's the money coming in? She says, well, uh, Philip's doing great. He sends $1,000 every month. First of the month, he sends $1,000. I said, well, that's great. How's Jesse doing? Well, Jesse is sending $2,000 a month. I said, really? $2,000 a month? I, I told him 1000 I know, but for some reason he sends 2000 every month. Hmm. Well, how's Todd doing? Well, we need to talk about Todd. <laughs> told you I'd get you back. <laughs> what, well, what's Todd doing? Well, the first month he sent 700 The second month, 400 And the third month, he didn't send anything. Now I want you to think about this. This is my wife. I love my wife. I'm giving him the money. It's my it's coming from me. He can keep nine thousand dollars. I just asked for ten percent for my wife. So what do you think I'm gonna do? I can tell you right now, I'm gonna quit sending him the money because I can't trust him. And I'm going to take the 10000 I'm sending to him, and I'm going to give it to Philip and Jesse because I can trust them. Okay, you guys can be seated. Now, get the illustration. Jesus said, I'm going away. Right? I'm going away and coming back. While I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. Is the church the bride of Christ? I don't think some of you realize how personal this is to him. He's given you what you get. He can give you more. He can also take what he's given you and give it to someone else who will steward it better. And if you don't think that's scriptural, read the parable of the talents, because that's exactly what he did. Exactly. Please hear me. There is a way that seems right to men, but the end is death. But there is a way that is right. It's an ordinary principle in God's kingdom. And if you do it according to the word, he will open the windows of heaven over you. And he will rebuke Satan for you. I am pleading with you. I've seen more people's lives changed by understanding and practicing this principle than any other principle I've ever talked about. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? 
Will you step out in faith? We have had people in our church that have downsized to be able to tithe. I'm talking about downsized. I know a couple that sold their home because they couldn't tithe because of it. And they actually moved in with her parents for a season so they could start tithing. And now that couple has been so blessed by God, they give that testimony. We saw no way we could do it. And we decided we are going to get this right no matter what we have to do. And God's blessed them tremendously. Tremendously. We want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty right now, it could be in your finances. But maybe it's in your relationship with God. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe your family. Please don't leave without letting us pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty, no matter which campus you're attending, in just a moment, at every campus, we're going to have leaders here at the front. Every campus and in the overflow room. And if you need prayer for any reason at all, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, then I want you just to stand up and step out and come and let us pray for you, all right? Don't be embarrassed to come for prayer because this is what we do every service. And it's normal, it's an ordinary principle for all of us to ask for prayer. We all need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason at all, and maybe you need to give your life to the Lord today, but if you need prayer for any area, no matter which campus you're attending or if you're in the overflow room, as soon as we stand up, just stand up, step out and come to the front, and there are going to be leaders here who will pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. Let me tell you that. You, anyone can come for prayer, okay? So as soon as we stand up, just stand up, step out and come, and let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs any prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.